If you're a frequent PNW Haunts and Homicides listener, you probably already know we're Birdie Ambassadors. We wanted to take a quick moment to tell you a little bit more about this awesome product. Birdie is the modern personal safety alarm made for women by women. In a situation where you feel threatened or unsafe, you can simply activate Birdie's loud siren and flashing light to create a diversion. Birdie is perfect to carry anytime because the device is lightweight and comes in a variety of colors. So important. Use our ambassador link and coupon code PNW Haunts and Homicides to receive 10% off your purchase. Like our social media handles, the coupon code is all spelled out, no special characters. You can find the link and promo code in our show notes or PNW Haunts and Homicides link tree. Have, Have a, a safe ass day. As indie podcasters, we love to show our support of other awesome shows. So stay tuned for the promo we've got to share with you this week. Let's show them some love. You can find their info in our show notes. Hello, dear listener. My name is Fred. And my name is Taylor. And we're from Haunts, Graves, and Omens. A true crime, paranormal, and all things spooky podcast with episodes every Sunday. It's bound to be a devilishly good time. So if you like ghosts, ghouls, cryptids, aliens, absolute chaos that is unprofound and terrifying this is the podcast for you check us out on wherever you get your podcast spotify apple Podcasts, etc and we'll see you in the graveyard stay spooky and stay haunted you guys we're back and don't worry we did get more wine well of course Caitlin. Hi, creepy people. Hi. Hello. Hello out there. This is PNW Haunts and Homicides. It is. Correct. You know, when you were saying that, I almost was thinking, this is PNW True Crime Fest, because we've been <laughs> saying it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I would have said the title, we would have we would have had a blooper. <laughs> Good thing I didn't say it. <laughs> Got them in the making. Got those on lock. Mm-hmm. It is not a problem. All right, Cassie. I don't think we have any business no, today. I think we finished all of our business. All of our business is done for now. Yes. So y'all just relax. <laughs> <laughs> for like a couple minutes. Yes. Yeah. You know, roughly. <laughs> okay, well, should I just get into it? Yeah, I think so. Let's just go for it today. Feels weird, but all right. We got this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Rolf Nesland. Okay. That's a cool name. Yeah. He's Norwegian. Oh. Spoiler, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Super spoiler. Yeah. Is this a sister city crime? (laughs) It's not. 
Shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think we have a sister city in Norway. So oh, yeah. you should get one. I agree. Let's, I agree. Let's get on that. Okay. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. To some, he is known as the patron saint of the broken bridge. Aww. <laughs> it's a moniker that was coined for a very complicated man who was in reality rarely viewed through the lens of a true saint hmm. by any stretch. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Despite being very loved in some circles in both local and international communities alike. We'll get back to that whole bridge thing a little later in our story. Okay, because you kind of yeah. like reeled me in and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I need to know about this bridge. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the bridge. Okay. You'll probably be begging me to stop um, about the bridge, but. <laughs> I want to hear all about it. Nerd yeah. out about the bridge. Nerd out. Oh, I did. <laughs> I really, really did. He was the captain of a huge freighter ship during World War II. Oh, that vessel set a record for being, of all things, most torpedoed. Most torpedoed? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Which you'd normally assume would be probably the most dramatic thing to happen in his life. Yeah. But oh boy. <laughs> that could not be more inaccurate. Wow. Yeah. That's like a footnote. I can't even I can't even imagine what else happens. <laughs> Torpedoes are a pretty big deal. Yeah, you know, and the sheer volume of torpedoes in this case is really it's a big deal, but it's like I said, it's a footnote. Weird. So. Okay. <laughs> even his date of birth is shrouded in some mystery depending on who you ask. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Remind you of anyone? Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, Granny, Granny. Zakova, <laughs> which was a sister city case. Mm -hmm. But but most agreed that he was born November 3rd of 1900 in Konisberg, Norway. Okay. 1900. Wow. Yeah. He's a young guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, because he was just born. Yeah. At this point in our totally. story. Yeah. 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 Not anymore. <laughs> He was one of three sons, and his brothers Erling and Harold would be accompanied by Sister Eugenie. That is so cute. I know, Stop isn't it. That a cute name. Oh, <laughs> Eugenie. And they have such unique names too. Yeah, I and mean, they're very Norwegian. I, you know, it's unique to us because we're real basic white people. Yeah. But <laughs> His family would rise to some prominence as their shipping business began to flourish. But alas, Rolf's formal schooling and his time in Norway didn't last long. Hmm. He ran away to sea at age 14 and took work aboard a boat for about six months, eventually leaving his home in Norway, possibly for good, as he boarded a ship bound for America. Wow. I All I could think of when you said that is Nemo swimming out to sea. <laughs> <laughs> you may be having that run through your internal monologue a few more times. Oh, no. <laughs> How he saw this working out is a bit beyond me. 
Of course, as you might suspect, based on what you learned in history class, when he didn't make it past authorities at Ellis Island, he was sent back to Norway. Oh. Yeah. So he made that whole journey and then was sent back? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Ellis Island, they were kind of there to sort what's what. And definitely there were some problematic policies about who was allowed into this country and who would be turned away and based on what criteria. But What's changed? Yeah. I think an unaccompanied minor, though, Mm. probably, probably, you know, maybe send them home. That's true. Might be for the best. Not to be deterred, Rolf had better luck in his second attempt. Okay. Was he so, older? Not by much. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't wait long before he tried again. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I think he probably got off the boat and waited a little while. It wasn't like he just caught the next ship, but... He just stayed on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turn this thing around. <laughs> His aunt lived on Long Island when he successfully snuck or talked his way past immigration authorities into America. He had no papers, but it's said that he convinced the officials at Ellis Island that he would not become a burden because that was a very key concern. Wow. How dare you come to this country and burden us (laughs) with your being poor right oh my god (laughs) which i mean to be fair again an unaccompanied minor you know we do want to make sure that you're someone who can hopefully take care of themselves yeah not not a good situation to be in in any country probably yeah you gotta have someone take care of you yeah Hmm. yeah soon he proved that he would do just that by quickly taking a job with little competition in the applicant pool, given the dangerous nature of the work. Ooh. Yep. He worked as a painter on a skyscraper <sighs> on 42nd Street and Madison Avenue in New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you seen those um, portraits or paintings of workers in this era? No. They're just like casually eating sandwiches on steel beams hundreds of feet off the ground, completely untethered. Okay, yeah. Yep, Somebody call a chef. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh my God. Basically the spitting image of Rolf at this stage in his life. Wow. And he was not afraid of heights and had apparently very good balance. That's a good thing to have. Yeah. I in mean, that line of work. So... <laughs> Those are very important skills. (laughs) Skills I do not have. (laughs) Yeah, I have neither. (laughs) World War I inspired him to do what many young men did during the two great wars. Lie about his age in order to take advantage of the opportunity to travel the world for more excitement. Uh, I can't believe that people used to get away with that. Like, you could never do that nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, people... Lie about their age in some pretty crazy situations, um, even in like a more modern era. But yeah, for the military, I think they they kind of double the check. Age. <laughs> yeah, they take the age verification a little yeah. bit more seriously now. <laughs> I want to say this is where some of the debate about his true date of birth likely stems from. Oh, 
He stated his date of birth was July 7th of 1897 so that he could enlist. Okay. Which is interesting to me because not only did he change the year, but he also changed the date. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, like eh, okay. this one sounds better. Yeah, I guess. 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. Hmm. That would make him a cancer like you. That's like yeah. two days off from your birthday. I know it is. He is definitely not a cancer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. As I said, though, at this point in history, this was not an altogether uncommon practice. So I kind of feel comfortable stating that this birth date was the fictional work of a young man on a mission. Okay. He worked as a mess boy on a steamship after registering with the Norwegian consulate. Obviously, this would be an oddly short story if he perished in World War I. So we'll talk about yeah. the next stage of his <laughs> young life. Rolf began working for the Lukenbach Steamship Company based in New York in June of 1917. He would work there for 26 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, long time. Mm -hmm. On the SS Harry Lukenbach, he worked as a quartermaster helmsman. And don't ask. I'm not exactly sure what that entails. Did you see my head tilt? <laughs> sure did. And I tried really hard to ignore it. <laughs> I have no further information on that topic. No more rabbit holes. It's okay. No. Oh, there's more. Just not on that. <laughs> yeah. You got to pick your battles. Exactly. This ship was torpedoed by a German submarine, killing several of his shipmates. He then went on to France. C'est la vie, I guess. <laughs> From here, we'll skip around some notable items in the 1920s and 30s. In 1926, he obtained his first command role as master of a ship called the Robin Goodfellow. Oh. He eventually made it out west, where he became a pilot at the Puget Sound Harbors. Oh, so he... A pilot of a plane? Nope. Oh, okay. They call them pilots too. It was very confusing. Yeah. You saw me. I was like, he went from uh, ships to planes? To huh? planes. Yeah. He, no, he just really likes to be in control of large um, large vessels. Okay. Really, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> say what you will about. <laughs> Being in control of large vessels. <laughs> nice truck. <laughs> When the Puget Sound Pilots Association was established in 1935, he was one of their earliest members. He's okay. like OG pilot. Wow. For all of his accomplishments at sea, Rolf didn't marry until a bit later in life than was common at this point in history, at age 34. Oh, wow. Uh, in 1934, he married Margot, who was to become his first of... Multiple wives. Oh. With very complicated relationship backstories. Hmm. Guess he yeah. waited that long for a reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe he should have kept waiting. I don't I don't know. <laughs> like I said, he's not exactly a saint. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you may not exactly love Rolf through the course of the story. Okay. We'll, we'll just see. You tricked us in the beginning. Uh, a little. I feel like I was upfront about the fact that, uh, you know, calling him a saint was maybe overkill. You were. Yeah. <laughs> Margot was also a native of Norway. Eleanor, 
Her younger sister met Rolf when she was just 11. It wouldn't be until much later that Rolf would become involved with Margot's younger sister. No. (laughs) She's eyeing me so suspiciously. Listen, I didn't do it. I know. Okay. But you're reading it to me. Yeah. It's not going to get better. Because actually, another surprising fun fact about Rolf. He had a tattoo of a heart with an arrow on his right forearm with the name Muriel. Which, of course, was not the name of either of the sister wives. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No other mention of Muriel in the various source material that I could locate. He was truly a man of mystery in many regards. Uh, You know what they say, a man's heart is an ocean of mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a Titanic joke? It is. (laughs) Holy shit, you... Are you shitting my dick? Did you make one too? (laughs) It's coming. (laughs) That is so funny. Oh my God. Who is Muriel though? (laughs) During World War II, he continued to work on the open waters of the sea, despite it being quite a dangerous time to do so, particularly for civilians, in fact. Ooh. Which, does that surprise you? No, not no. at all. Okay, well, I feel like it should. It oh, surprised me. Really? <laughs> yeah. The merchant marines had a higher mortality rate than any of the armed forces at the time. Oh. Yes. Wow. So maybe that's where it gets okay. surprising. Losing one out of every 20 men to enemy attacks. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super fucked up as those seem like, oh, I don't know. Grave examples of craven violations of the Geneva Convention. Mm -hmm. But alas, this was before the articles had been written in 1949 following World War II. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I never would have known that. Yeah. (laughs) It's in the Geneva Convention. (laughs) I didn't talk about the Geneva Convention just so I could make a stepbrother's joke. I think you did. But I'm not (laughs) mad about it. Okay. She 100% did. Don't let her fool you. I really didn't. I just, that was the first thing I thought of. Like, yikes, you guys. And then I was like, wait, that doesn't even come about until after this war is over. (laughs) Makes sense. Makes sense. And honestly, with those kind of statistics, you can understand why they had to, like, make some rules. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, I don't know. Seems like a lot of people who aren't even, like, fighting and stuff they're like kind of getting killed and and stuff yeah that's not good it's not ideal no yeah (laughs) (laughs) by the end of world war ii rolf was in his mid-40s for most of his adult life rolf was an exceedingly popular man sending out up to 550 christmas cards for many years what? I know. Isn't that wild? That's a f- metric fuck ton of Christmas cards. That is far too many Christmas cards. I know. I think I could send three Christmas cards to everyone I know and I would still fall short. I just, <laughs> no, just like, can you imagine what his like Christmas letter says? Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, can you imagine what that costs you in postage? Yeah. Were forever stamps a thing back then? Probably not. I don't know, man. 
Lots of questions. (laughs) I'm just asking questions. (laughs) But his would not be in existence completely free of strife, not by a long shot. I feel like some of the choices he's making might suggest there will be problems. Okay. There will be issues. (laughs) When Margot fell ill, Rolf encouraged her sister Eleanor to move in and help care for her. This seems like a move by a deeply caring husband motivated by concern for his ailing wife. Great. Mm-hmm. But less great. Rolf would soon become frustrated by the forced celibacy her illness created. Oh, my God. Yeah. Suck it up. Yeah. I mean, maybe just for like a little while. Jeez. Doesn't sound like it took long. <laughs> soon it became obvious that Eleanor had long carried a torch for the attractive older man. Honey. I know. (laughs) That's your sister's husband. I know. Like, come on. It's pretty cringe. (laughs) The two would carry on an affair, which I know I already told you that. So, like, no one's surprised here. But, But, yuck. (laughs) Eleanor was then awarded with the Super Shady Sister of the Year Award for said affair with her sister's husband. Well, her sister is sick. <laughs> yeah. So I know. That's so fun. It's so much worse. I mean, it's terrible. It just, it's, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we like TMTM, the Super Shady Sister Award, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> yeah. You should. TMTM. <laughs> Whether Margot knew about the affair, at least initially, is uncertain. But most likely, she caught on at some point and merely turned a blind eye to the uncomfortable facts staring her in the face. Yeah. That didn't last forever, though. Because staring, whether from a creepy ghost kid or unpleasant facts, makes people rather uneasy. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Margot eventually filed for divorce. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not sorry about it. I'm glad she did that. I know. I mean, especially back then, I feel like a lot of women just stayed in really probably horribly abusive relationships yeah. and were like, this is my life. Oh. Yuck. The evidence would be insurmountable once Eleanor became pregnant. Of course. (laughs) The couple, happily, newly with child, married in 1958 in Finland. Mm. Eleanor bore Rolf's first son, naming him after Rolf. Just two years later, another son, Eric, was born. Rolf was already 60 years old at the time. Jeez. I I forgot how old he was. (laughs) Your shocked face was so shocked. That was priceless. Yeah. (laughs) Wish you had a camera on me. (laughs) I know. It's times like this. I think, man, should we just record the whole thing in video? (laughs) One day. (laughs) Yeah. During this seemingly blissful era in their married life, Eleanor lived in Norway while Rolf continued to work as a pilot in various places of port. He eventually called them to British Columbia, and perhaps Eleanor thought this would be the start of a more settled family life. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I don't think so. However, upon arrival, 
Rolf informed her that they had not been legally married because his divorce hadn't been finalized with Margot when they wed. Oh, darn. Yeah. Sorry, we're not married, actually, because I was still married to your sister. That is so fucked. Yeah. This is Jerry Springer. Yes, I know. It's ter- it's pretty terrible. <laughs> he had obtained a Canadian marriage license and told her that it was his intent to make it legal. Oh, okay. <laughs> However, as fate would have it, this romantic mishap was not to be resolved. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> not Eleanor. <laughs> yeah, she I, she sure didn't. He had since met Nettie Ruth Myers in Seattle. Ooh. Yes. And so the happy family and marriage was not to be. To which I say, I'm sorry, you married a Ruth who the candy bar what? (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those old timey names that you never hear except like you're talking about like baby Ruth the candy bars. That's all I think about. I've never had a baby Ruth either. You've never had one? No, I don't eat chocolate. Oh, that's right. I know. Duh. 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 Okay, so let's back up. Rolf and Ruth met in Seattle when she was working for an insurance agency. Sound familiar? No. Nancy Brophy. Oh. There's going to be a couple parallels, actually. Interesting. All right. Listen, that is not good company to keep. <laughs> no. You don't want to be. <laughs> don't You don't want to be compared to that. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> On the date of their fateful meeting, Ruth had a luncheon appointment with a man working in Smith Towers that had been canceled, apparently last minute, because huh. she still showed up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this put the two of them in an elevator at the exact right time to produce something of a meat cute. Oh, was it kind of like 50 shades of gray elevator or <laughs> you know, I wasn't there, but I'm going to say I'm going to go out on a limb and pro- probably not. Prop sauce not. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. No. <laughs> God, I hope not. Oh, God, I hope my, not. My, dar- my, my mind is going to some dark places. Sorry. <laughs> Nettie Ruth Myers was in her 40s, and Rolf was an albeit not legally married man in his 60s when they met. As attractive a man as Rolf was, it shouldn't have come as a surprise that he caught her eye. Was he that attractive? Do you, do, have you seen him? You know, I haven't looked at a ton of pictures of him. I looked at far more of Ruth, and her confidence wouldn't be hampered by the fact that, as was often said of Ruth's appearance, that she was a short, rather plump woman. Oh, like me. <laughs> I was going to say, there there are some parallels, and I was like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing. They're like, she was really short. And curvaceous and curly hair. And I'm like. (laughs) In contrast, Rolf's work kept him rather fit, despite the fact that he had a number of years on many of his chosen female companions. Mm -hmm. 
he he didn't date anyone his own age, as far as I'm aware. Huh, weird. Kind of like Leo. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a, I'm getting a real Leo vibe. Yeah. Got it. Maybe that's why we're like Titanic yeah, on the brain. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. She had what would be characterized as a very full, round face with a sharp chin, a slightly bulging nose, a perm, truly a sign of the times, and to top it off, Coke bottle glasses that sometimes appeared to distort the size and shape of her eyes. Okay. And listen, I just, I hate to focus on the appearance too much, but you know, it was bandied about quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because after all, she also had a somewhat curvaceous figure and she was very fun. I like that. Yeah. I think when they say fun, it's code for like, she does sexy stuff or something. <laughs> she but, does sexy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I can't be sure. but I want to be fun. <laughs> I know, right? Ooh, ooh. I do sexy stuff. (laughs) Sexy stuff. (laughs) Basically, despite not being a supermodel, honestly, the nerve, her milkshakes did, in fact, still bring all of the boys to the yard whenever she determined that that was her aim. I was holding in that laugh. I don't know why. I wanted you to finish. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> you knew where I was going with that. Yes, But I you did. knew it was going to be like an old-timey, like very proper, complete sentence. I loved it. That was great. <laughs> Excellent. She asked Rolf out to lunch, and because he was flattered by her boldness, he accepted her invitation. The rest is history, it seems. She definitely manipulated him into marrying her. Well, yeah, (laughs) she gave him a taste of her milkshakes. Yes, (laughs) correct. That is a flavor I do not want to try. What flavor milkshake do you think she is? I don't know. Black Forest. (laughs) She, oh, oh. she's like one of the Harry Potter, like jelly bean flavors, like booger or something, (laughs) I think. That's that's kind of where my head goes. I take it she doesn't turn out to be a good person. Well, I mean, maybe. Because we're like making fun of her. So yeah. like, wait. <laughs> well, we kind of are making fun of everyone here. Yeah. That's Listen, true. a lot of these people are dead. They're all fair game. Okay. They're fair game. Yeah. <laughs> and we're really we're not gonna be brutal because that's not nice. Don't haunt us. Yeah. Also that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To the not insignificant disappointment of Eleanor, Ruth was a cunning woman who seemed to easily manipulate Rolf to her whims, and she became omnipresent in their lives. Mm. Eleanor, to sum it up in just a few short words, didn't care for her. (laughs) I bet. Yeah. (laughs) How do you think your sister feels about you, bitch? (laughs) Right. And... Not just because she wasn't much of a housekeeper and also wasn't very friendly. (laughs) Which is curious because Rolf told Eleanor he brought Ruth into their family home to help out as a housekeeper. Oh, wait a minute. They lived all together? (laughs) 
Did you just drop that on me or was I supposed to have picked <laughs> nope. that up somewhere? Nope. Sure dropped that right in your lap. What? Mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, why do they have so many reactions? interactions together like yeah you're like what like for the kids or you know that's <laughs> right. what i was thinking but oh my god i wasn't thinking that ruth was also very bold and outspoken about what eleanor believed should have been private matters you know like with her husband oh those kind of private matters i mean pretty much anything ruth was pretty uh in your face it sounds like no filter Eek. <laughs> Rolf obtained another Canadian marriage license in 1961 and told Eleanor that he wanted to marry her. But before you get too excited on her behalf, there was just like one teeny tiny little hurdle. Like what? You see, Rolf was already married and had been for several months to Ruth. <laughs> so- you're like, you're doing that. I'm so uncomfortable laughing. It's just, like, what? Like, what? It's so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Did he, so did he ever get a divorce from his first wife? Like, what is happening? It's a lot. Um, fortunately, Rolf didn't see this as a problem. He'd only married Ruth because Ruth told him that Eleanor was threatening to turn him over to immigration authorities for fraud. Okay. You see, he had lied about his age all those years ago when he left Norway and believed he could be deported for this infraction. Okay. Eleanor told him she'd never have done that, but Rolf had already become very paranoid as a result of Ruth's manipulation. Oh, okay. I could see that. I still don't know why he wouldn't just marry Eleanor, though. Like, you already have somebody to marry. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. Of course, she was there to offer a solution as well. Mm -hmm. Ruth, that is. Okay. She was a natural-born American citizen. So if they married, he could not be deported. Okay. Eleanor, deeply disheartened but unwilling to live a lie, remained in British Columbia but would cede Rolf to the hypnotizing Ruth. (laughs) Hypnotizing. Yep. I put a spell on you. Mm -hmm. Ruth, as one might imagine, had an odd backstory of sorts upon reflection. You don't say. Sure do. (laughs) She was born February 8th of 1920 in Beardstown, Illinois. Beardstown. Yeah. They got a lot of beards there. (laughs) No, weird name, right? I like it. Yeah. It was a small town about 50 miles northwest of Springfield near the Illinois River. She was one of 10 children. Wow. Deep breath, and maybe I can spit out all nine names in one go. Okay. Okay. Mamie, Mary, Robert, Walter, Enoch, Paula, Carl, Asa, and Paul. Wow. Seriously, there was both a brother named Paul and a sister named Paula. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, I guess at a certain point, if you have enough children, you you just run run out of creative yeah. ideas. Were they twins? That'd be cute. No. No. 
No, that would be so mean. <laughs> that would be really mean. You name a twin boy and, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> no. Sadly, Enoch died as an infant. Oh, I was going to say I really like that name. I know, so cute. Carl went missing during World War I in 1919. Though it's never been confirmed, it can likely be assumed he died, possibly during the commission of service in a battle. Mm. We don't really know. That sucks. I know. Ruth was closest to one sibling, both in age and their relationship, to her younger brother, Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her siblings would scatter to flock. <laughs> to flar. To flar. I'm, see, I'm doing it again. What? I was going to say far flung, and I just said, you know, flar. I thought it's, you were going to say Florida. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this does sort of sound like the makings of a Florida man <laughs> story, but yeah. nope. Her siblings would scatter to far flung corners of the country. Ohio, Mississippi, even as far away as Rockaway, Oregon. Oh. And Los Angeles, California. Wow. PNW. PNW. She moved in with Morris Daniels in Louisiana when she was still a teenager. Ooh, Louisiana. Louisiana in the bayou. I don't know if it was the bayou, honestly. It okay. probably wasn't, but. <laughs> Is the whole thing a bayou? I have I no know. idea. It's literally all I know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Her first child was born just about a year later. It was a different time, and I get that, especially in a rural Louisiana town, but yuck. By age 20, she had two infant sons. Wow. Not much is known about their childhood and whether she even really had a hand in raising them to adulthood, but they did remain close to their mother regardless. Okay. Both Ruth and Rolf had colorful pasts with previous relationships and children following an upbringing that began in poverty. They had both traveled extensively and even shared in the unique distinction of having had a near-death experience. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I'm not really sure what Ruth's was, but... I'd like to know. I know, I would like to know. <laughs> They both seem to excel in their chosen field or passions, despite having little formal education. Rolf and Ruth settled into a home together in Washington. She didn't want him being in contact with or providing any financial support to Eleanor. He did this anyway. They have children together. Yes. yes. Clearly believing at least at one point that he had a financial responsibility to his young sons. Okay. Well, at least there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Though Rolf made a good living and had been left an inheritance from his family's shipping company and held some oil stocks, he wasn't a particularly overwhelmingly wealthy man. But, like, he did all right for himself. Okay. Yet the couple seemed to settle into a comfortable marital bliss, eventually moving to Lopez Island. Lopez Island, J-Lo Island. J-Lo Island. (laughs) The San Juan Islands and the Puget Sound are truly amongst the foremost of the Pacific Northwest natural beauties. Mm. 
The islands are serviced by periodic ferries and so are not completely cut off from the mainland, but in an emergency, it's a bit of a hop, skip, and a jump. Ooh. Yeah. You'd have to go by plane or, you know, life flight in some cases. My paternal grandparents actually retired to Orcas Island for several years, so I'm familiar with not just the aspects of kind of that Pacific Northwest island life and travel, but also the concerns that arise for anyone with potential health issues, Yeah, particularly those of an aging couple. Yeah. Oof. Lopez Island, a 29-square-mile island, what mm-hmm. <laughs> is one of hundreds of the San Juan Islands in the Puget Sound, northwest of Seattle. Wow. Yeah. Personally, Orcas remains my favorite, but that's no doubt based solely on nostalgic personal bias. Yeah, that's so cute. I want to go there someday. Yeah. Will you take me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But we'll touch on a detail related to Orcas Island again later. Have we talked about that before? What, Orcas Island? Yeah. It was the other Anne Rule book. It was um, Kate. It was the... Oh, yeah. Wow. That's going in the way back machine. I knew it sounded familiar. (laughs) As time wore on, Ruth began handling the full financial picture. Okay. Social security benefits, paycheck, pension, etc. for so Rolf. She, so she handled the finances is what you're All saying? All of it. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm only kind of like listing everything out so that you get an idea of just how much okay. she was in control of that. She was quite adept, not just at handling their household finances, but also a number of real estate investments. Ooh, she was a she was a big real estate investor. Okay. Now, in spite of that, there were those that believed there was an early instance of how she had come into some additional monies through nefarious means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the expense of her own flesh and blood. Though later there would be many more examples. Oh. Prior to returning home to care for her elderly mother, she took out a life insurance policy on her. Oh, no. Okay, I know I said I wasn't going to just keep drawing parallels to other cases, but this is another one for our good friend, not a friend, Nancy Brophy. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Ugh. It wasn't a sizable policy, but as she repeatedly demonstrated... She was very good with money. Hmm. Her careless feeding of harmful, sugary food to her diabetic mother. No. Mm. Oh, my God. Yep. Seemed an attempt to hasten her death to her siblings. That is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. It's not great. Still, little was done and nothing was ever proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Her family was split on the issue, though Ruth's actions hardly seemed to cause any major rift amongst the relatives. How? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, some people, I guess, just didn't really agree. They were like, look, her mom's real old. Like, if she wants to have sugar snaps, give her sugar snaps. Okay. Or, I don't know, whatever sugary shit old people like. I mean, I, I guess if if she's asking for it and you're giving it to her, if you're not, like, force-feeding it to her. Yeah, it doesn't sound like she was, like, sneaking, like, tablespoon yeah. of sugar into other That's what food I was thinking. Or, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it was quite that brazen, but still. Okay. It's, you know, gets the hackles up, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Returning to the topic of her highly touted financial prowess, she was in the process of buying her home in Everett, Washington, when she met Rolf. She paid $5,000 for the small home just north of Seattle. Wow. <laughs> literally you can't even buy a house with a five thousand dollar down payment yeah no oh how <laughs> things have changed <laughs> she would sell the home for a tidy profit of a few thousand dollars after she met rolf she also owned some vacant lots in prime areas prior to the coming real estate boom in said areas how did she know like was she is she a time traveler Maybe, maybe. (laughs) But theirs was not to be a peaceful life of quiet prosperity for long. No? No. Before the disco demolition took place at a Chicago ballpark in 1979, now there's a shallow historical rabbit hole if you want one. I do. (laughs) (laughs) We're not a history podcast, but I was briefly tempted. I'll toss an article about it in the paste bin with my resources for the case, if I still have that tab open, uh, which you can find in the show notes. So (laughs) anyway, looking (laughs) like I was saying, as the groovy days of disco began to wane, a disaster of nearly epic proportions captured the attention of the West Seattle area and perhaps most shocking of all held citizens hostage. For several years. What? What is this? I'm really building it up. You are. Cassie, Hmm. creepy people. What? Don't worry. I'm going to explain. Please do. You're (laughs) killing me. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) On Sunday, June 11th of 1978, 80-year-old Rolf was piloting a ship named the Chavez. 80 years old? His role old. It was a 550-foot vessel with 20,000 tons of gypsum. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Yep. Headed into the Duwamish West Waterway. Okay, I did it. (laughs) That runs under what is now known as the West Seattle Bridge. At 2.38 a.m., Rolf issues an order to one of the helmsmen that would result in terrible disaster. Oh. As per usual, Rolf had his radio off because he preferred to trust his own judgment. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a Wild West, Clint Eastwood, or John Wayne cowboy of the water, you guys. Uh, okay. Yeah. What this meant in his present scenario was that any warnings the Coast Guard attempted to issue went unheard and unanswered. That just... 
And oh boy, did they try (laughs) from the sounds of it. Now, he was an intelligent man. Intelligent men do a lot of dumb shit. (laughs) And knew he couldn't correct his current course by dropping anchor. Once he'd already made this terrible mistake. Because of very important lines that lay in the water below. Oh. Now, I'm not going to get crazy technical with this because, honestly, I don't think it's worth a super long-winded ramble. Um, It's just okay. not that interesting. Well, I'm just not that into it. <laughs> As the Chavez approached the Bascule Bridge, I guess you know what I did get into. Uh-oh. <laughs> Bridge stuff. Bridge stuff. <laughs> What most of us probably think of as a drawbridge. Okay. It was in a raised position already to allow the ship to pass through. What's sort of interesting is that this was actually a system of two bridges. So this is actually one of the two bridges. Okay. The original, having been constructed in 1924, quickly became insufficient. By 1930, as the surrounding neighborhoods grew, the increase in population, and perhaps more importantly, the number of drivers, required a parallel bridge to be constructed to accommodate eastbound traffic in the area. So there were literally two bridges, and one was for westbound and one was for eastbound traffic. Oh, okay. Kind of weird. Yeah. All right. Kind of cool, though. Yeah. Okay. Random bridge history aside, suffice to say, he titanicked right into the then West Spokane Street Bridge. Oh, my God. Yeah. The main difference was that this collision didn't result in any fatalities. Nobody was hanging out on uh, the open water on a door. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Though it certainly had a few people shaken up. Because literally the drawbridge is up and there's cars on the bridge. And literally this is the stuff that nightmares are made of. Can you imagine how loud that would have been? I I don't want to. I don't either. I I I don't don't like it. I liked your Titanic joke, by the way. That was a good one. Yeah. (laughs) We both have it on the brain, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) This accident did force both Rolf and his shipmaster to retire as the Coast Guard found negligence on both their parts as officers. Hmm. I know. Interesting. Gee, you think? <laughs> Rolf retired with his pension. And the Puget Sound Pilots Association set some age guidelines. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Good reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's, uh, you know, and I don't want to sound ageist here, but I think it's probably for the best. Yeah. You know? 80. Yeah. That might be pushing it. I don't know. I mean, at the very least, I feel like there needs to probably just be competency testing. And that should be the case really at any age, I think. Replacement of the bridge had been a hotly debated issue in Seattle for quite some time. Now the bridge would be closed for several years, whether they liked it or not. Wow. Yeah. Commuting would have been an absolute 
actual nightmare. No, I don't Mm want to think about that either. Nope. (laughs) But those with an entrepreneurial spirit that were eager to spread enthusiasm for the bridge project quickly had t-shirts made with phrases like, where were you when the ship hit the span? Oh, wow. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. I know. Clever. Yeah. Some in the area were actually quite thankful that the accident thrust government figures into action. Necessity is the mother of all invention, after all, is it not? Yes. Oh. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of funny because you would think he would quickly become like the most hated man in the Pacific Northwest. But it sounds like people had a surprising, a shockingly like enlightened attitude of like, well, this really needed to be done and we were delaying because of money and blah, 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 blah. So they kind of, he sort of became this sort of like, beloved like buffoon character a bit yeah that's so crazy (laughs) it's it's quite fun so that's where patron saint of the broken bridge comes from okay it all makes sense now yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) despite the findings of negligence on both rolf and the shipmaster's part there was no indication of intoxication on either part during the accident okay that's good However, drunken fights with his wife became increasingly commonplace. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Still, you might think that this is where the story turns to criminal proceedings or even civil suits related to the accident. Though there was apprehension on the part of more than one party concerned, little came about in this regard. So why exactly are we talking about Rolf today, if not because of his dangerous, duplicitous driving as the Chavez's captain? Yeah. Well, you see, those drunken fights, some occurred right in front of friends' and neighbors' eyes. Mm. The aftermath documented by law enforcement in some cases, others were only reported over the phone to relatives that would later become key witnesses in an entirely different set of criminal proceedings. Oh. You might expect that, as is often the case, that Rolf, as the man, is assumed to be the aggressor. Mm. And while this certainly may have been true in some cases, he often looked worse for the wear than Ruth. Wow. Mm-hmm. According to witnesses, both of a private citizen and law enforcement persuasion, Rolf would often be bruised and or bloodied, and Ruth would be suspiciously completely unscathed. Wow, that is crazy. You don't hear a lot of instances of intimate partner violence where it's the woman that's the perpetrator, but it definitely happens. It does. It should be talked about more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really scary because, you know, in most cases, I don't think it gets taken all that seriously, even today. Seriously. These would prove to be significant recollections when Rolf reportedly went missing Late in 1980. Oh, no. Many tales would be spun about his whereabouts, 
And while it may have begun as a baffling case, eventually, evidence of the dastardly deeds perpetrated on poor Rolf, as imperfect a human as he might have been, would come to light. Ooh. So stay tuned for that next week. Oh, you shithead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, there's so much going on there. You're like, okay, when is there going to be? I mean, there's definitely the commission of a few, maybe on the scale of things, like kind of petty crimes mm -hmm. compared to what we're used to. But yeah. This could have gone in any direction. I, I just wanted to remind you guys. <laughs> I was like, is this just all about this guy crashing into a bridge? This is an interesting <laughs> case. Yeah. And it really is. Um, definitely that afforded him a level of sort of notoriety. And I don't know if the claim is exactly the right word. Yeah. But um, people sort of knew of him. Yeah. And it was close enough. You know, the time between the bridge accident and him going missing that he was still kind of a relevant figure. So I think that played into the yeah. investigation and uh, people's interest in the case and all the things that may or may not happen that we talk about next week. <laughs> <laughs> Did they name him the bridge saint before or after? <laughs> you know, that I don't know, technically. Um there's a really cool statue that we'll have to maybe we can post a picture of that um, of Rolf? this episode. Yep, I'll show you after this. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, let's go do our tarot and then we'll wrap it up and I'll show you. Okay. Because actually, it's kind of charming. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tarot. Okay. So we're doing our tarot read for part one of. Raffle? What's his name? Raffle. <laughs> keep calling him Raffle. <laughs> it's Rolf. Rolf. <laughs> Rolf and Ruth. Rolf and Ruth. What are we going to get? I don't know. Draw okay. the card, my dear. Okay. Oh, sexy little art class there. Oh, three of pentacles. And it is a naked woman and someone's painting her like painting one of their like French girls fr <gasps> Titanic <laughs> references everywhere <laughs> everywhere that's so okay. funny oh my goodness I like it I like this card I yeah I think that's a first that we've gotten it yeah okay three of pentacles our keywords are creativity self-expression skill satisfaction rewards okay the card of the craftsperson the three of pentacles often depicts a skilled artisan at work in some decks he's building a cathedral reminiscent of the carpenters and masons who constructed europe's great cathedrals and who evolved into the freemasons three's Signify self-expression, creative development, and reaping rewards. So this positive card shows a time of satisfaction. Hmm. Interesting. It talks about uh, construction and there was a bridge. <laughs> well, yeah. And he used to work on 
um, painting that skyscraper too. Oh, yeah. That's what I immediately thought of. Interesting. Upright, the three represents expressing your creativity in a practical way and enjoying your work. So, I mean, that fits. I mean, I guess it was practical in his own head. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> aspects of it to varying degrees. He thought it time. was practical, but it was not. <laughs> not always. You've developed your skills. Now you gain rewards and recognition from applying your talents constructively. Other people, too, derive pleasure from what you do. This card can also encourage you to market a product, idea, or talent. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Ooh. In a reading about money, this card indicates profiting from your work. You could think of it as... The payback card, which I just saw payback card, and I thought, like, oof. Ooh. There's a few people that are due some payback. Oh. <laughs> when your efforts bear fruit. It may also show a financial endeavor coming to fruition or at least beginning to prosper. Okay, I do think that this may relate a little bit to parts of the story that I already know. Oh, well, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If the reading is about your job, you're using your abilities fully and achieving success. What you create now should have lasting results you can be proud of and enjoy. Well, well like maybe a bridge. Lasting results. <laughs> yeah, a new bridge. <laughs> Yay. Named after you. <laughs> if only. That's funny. The or upright three may signify the satisfactory completion of a project or job. Mm. I mean, they did complete the bridge. Yeah, I definitely didn't mean the bridge was named after him. I meant that he got a nickname because of the bridge. Oh, I just wanted to that. correct that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, I totally took it the other way. In a reading about love, you've worked through challenges and invested. Interesting mm, choice of words. Investments. A lot of effort in a relationship. Now things are on the upswing and you can enjoy your relationship. Contentment and security are yours. Oh, but it is part one. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, at this stage in the game, we've maybe been led to believe that there was a period of contentment and security. Yeah. It sounds like that was very much the case mm-hmm. for a time. Is that it? Yeah, that's oh, all we wow. got. Okay. Yeah, this is a... It's interesting. I'm seeing some ties, but I think maybe even more to part two. Yeah. What do you want to bet we get a card that has like a boat on it next time? That would be crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I think the strong connection was the painting like the French girl. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. I think that really is. That's so funny. The three of pentacles, um, definitely less interesting, slightly more salacious. In our deck than it is here. So I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see in part yeah. two. I'm so excited. I really got into this case. Yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah. the setup. You did a good job setting it up. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm excited for part <laughs> two. I want to see what happens. I mean, just mostly awesome stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. All okay. Right. I think that's that's all we have for today. Okay, sounds all good. Right. All right. Have, have a, a creepy, creepy ass day. day. See you, you next Tuesday. Tuesday.
probably not that barge that he ran into the bridge on. <laughs> was it a barge? <laughs> it was a boat, a ship, a vessel. Why did I say barge? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like the size of a barge. Okay. You were on to something. I knew it. I was picking yeah. up barge in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. All you right. had the right idea. <laughs> kind of, I think. All right. Anyways. Bye. Bye. So for all of you that are listening, if you have any true crime or paranormal stories that you want us to share, maybe with the whole Pacific Northwest. Yes, we would love to read them on the pod. (laughs) Yes, we will read them out loud. (laughs) Not just in our heads. Yes. (laughs) They don't have to be from the Pacific Northwest. If you would like to share, email us at PNW Haunts and Homicides at gmail.com. It's all spelled out, no special characters. Super duper easy peasy. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Same thing as the email at PNW Haunts and Homicides, all spelled out, no special characters. Please also rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to and check out our stories on social media because our meme game is hot. <laughs> Agreed. And if you agree, like Caitlin, you can also find us on Patreon and support the show. Bitchin. <laughs> <laughs>and I'm pretty sure Ralph thought a lot of things about himself. That's funny. Anyway.